0: Welcome to Kick Back With Chris, Chris, the Martial Arts
1: Podcast.
2: Brought to you by Martialytics. Easy to use. Super powerful management software for your martial arts school.
1: Oh, put one of those hash browns at the end, you know, like hash brown team Cobra Kai or something. And then
0: send it to the internet! Oh, and send it to the internet, we did. <laughs> Hello and welcome to an extra episode of Kickback with Chris, the Martial Arts Podcast. So, yeah, as I said, we, we we recorded that episode, the Cobra Kai special, we sent it to the internet, and wow, you guys responded. <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned on the last episode, uh, we had... Uh, ridiculous amount of entries of which I am so so thank so so th- if I can get the words out so so thankful to everybody for. And you know it, it just seemed a shame to not include them. So what I thought I'd do, due to the popularity of the last episode, and because I'm so super thankful to these people for sending over these recordings is to give them their own episode, basically. So what I'm gonna do is share with you guys in their entirety Minus a few bits here and there. (laughs) The near complete recordings that these guys sent over. Now, what I will say before we go into this is they are lengthy recordings. Okay, so you've been forewarned. Okay, but the detail, the detail that they go into is absolutely epic. And if I had the time on the previous show, I absolutely would have included them. You know, the original plan was... To sort of trim them here and there and, and, and fit them in. But as I was going through them, editing them, I was thinking, you so know, this is, this, there's too much good stuff here to not include it. But then I'm looking at the running time of the episode and I'm like, wow, you know, we've got 90 minutes already and this is just, you know, this is, <laughs> this is going to be way too long if I include these. So here we are with an extra episode. And yes, that was my phone. It's a thing that we always do now in a podcast. <laughs> I'll get it. It's only 80, what eighty-two episodes now, and I've still not learned to turn my phone off. <sighs> I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now. Sorry, guys. There we go. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna uh, share with you now. Uh, there's three recordings in total, um, and I'll obviously I'll let them play, and then with the like the previous show, I'll give you some feedback on on my, and add my thoughts here and there. And yeah, we're gonna jump straight into them. So the first one we're gonna go to is a long-time listener and. Um, all round awesome dude with his own podcast, Mr. Jamie Club.
2: Cobra Kai works for many reasons, not least of which is its appeal to different generations of viewers. This is the holy grail for production companies who are attempting to resurrect beloved old franchises. It certainly worked in my household. My daughter and I enjoy watching the show together, and this is because she's engaged by the teen drama, and I love the nostalgia. Overall, the show works within that subgenre established by Orange is the New Black as the dramedy. The show accepts the ridiculous premise that was earnestly set down in the original movie trilogy with just enough self-awareness and tongue-in-cheek humour to not be disrespectful. From this, it not only follows a reasonable trajectory of its original characters, but grows brand new, fully rounded characters, very much set in the current era. Let's face facts. The final fight scene of season 2 was totally bonkers. It was Enter the Dragons finale set in a high school demanding that we throw our suspension of disbelief up in the air for a pure indulgent battle royale. This is the payoff we were anticipating and it more than delivered. My daughter loved it and I can see why it was her favourite. In many ways it exemplified and exaggerated the essence of the Cobra Kai series. The fight scene had an even balance of drama and humour all driven by characters we had grown to love. I appreciate artistic, aesthetic skill in martial arts, theatrical performance and sophisticated fight choreography, but nothing is more engaging than watching stage violence that carries a story. Yes, the scene has plenty of cheesiness and clunky dialogue, particularly when we see the supporting cast members face off against their respective rivals. Yes, the fight choreography is not particularly spectacular and the Hawk Dimitri showdown is a step too far, but all of these minor gripes can be forgiven by how much is represented here. The juxtaposition of Robbie vs Miguel and Sam vs Tori is a great argument for how fight scenes can tell a good story. It was very different for me to pick a favourite fight scene. There are so many contenders and my views will probably change over more rewatches. Season 1's tournament was great fun and Season 2's Johnny vs Crease rematch was very cathartic. From a technical perspective, most of the fight scenes in Season 3 are probably among the best. Robbie's victorious fight scene in the Juvenile Detention Centre earns points for being a tighter variation on Miguel's first victorious fight in the school cafeteria in Season 1. There is also the great Daniel and Johnny team-up fight in the Chop Shop and their face-off against Creese in the Season 3 finale. However, my favourite scene remains Daniel and Johnny's first reconciliation in the bar. There is so much in there that helps establish the different but same theme that is also the episode title, and the two never really get back to this point of almost friendship and understanding until the final two episodes of season three. The fact that they bond over their feelings over Ali is great foreshadowing and will be paid off nicely. The scene is well written, with plenty of humour and emotion, well directed, and Machio and Zabka are on top form. My daughter's favourite characters are a toss-up between Sam and Tori. She simply cannot decide which one she likes more. Again, even for a dramedy that exists in a fantastical world, we can see good human character development. Despite it clearly being set down that Sam is someone we can root for, a strong, intelligent teenager with a good moral compass, she regularly shows human weakness. From the very beginning, we get something of an inversion of her father's problems in the original Karate Kid film, in that she is part of the popular crowd and one that bullies. Her best friends cyber bully and her new boyfriend physically bullies. She's slow to stand up for the weak and when she does, she isn't immediately effective. The second season sees her show other weaknesses, such as quickly responding to peer pressure in a drinking competition, an act that is a catalyst for the tragedy in the season finale and its surrounding conflicts. In season three, we see her experience post-traumatic stress disorder, something that's still not covered enough in action and martial arts movies. And yet, if I put my self-protection teaching hat on, it's a very important thing for all martial arts students to understand. It is these personal challenges and problems that help Sam to be the sort of heroic, human figure viewers will invest in. She earns her victories. Tori is an excellent antagonist. Season 2 gave us some justification for the way she acted, which was further developed in Season 3. She comes from a tough background, every day is a struggle, and all she sees outside the dojo is a fight for survival. Our heroes are just the privileged in her eyes, people who can afford to virtue signal and be idealistic because they don't really know hardship and get what they have because of the exploitation of people like her. Putting complexity in early, her moments with Miguel in Season 2 demonstrate she has a heart, and are actually softer than Miguel and Sam's first date. Season 3 is not only a good episode for her background development, but we also see some good parallels with Crease, allowing his character to round out more than just being a psychotic cult leader. Tori is the perfect opposite number for Sam, because her villainous acts, although never justifiable and often delivered with real menace, stem from an all-too-human origin. Sam doesn't desperately have to juggle jobs while supporting an ailing mother and dealing with a sleazy would-be rapist of a landlord, Seriously, her landlord's behaviour literally turns Crease into a hero for one scene. Tori is a product of her environment, the ultimate validation of the reoccurring no such thing as bad student, only bad teacher Mr Miyagi assertion, if the teacher also counts as being one's life experiences. The Cobra Kai series began with his story and this sets the tone. I think the show never portrays this premise and again, it is why it remains to be so popular and has such a loyal fan base. William Zabka's career seems to have built up to this moment. After being somewhat typecast as a 1980's jock bully, there appeared to be various attempts to redeem his Johnny Lawrence character, whether it was in 1993 Shoot Fighter or through 2007's Sweep the Leg music video. It makes you think that, in an alternate universe, he could have improved Karate Kid Part Three by confronting his old sensei then. Cobra Kai exists in a 1980s fantastical imagining of martial arts and Johnny Lawrence embodies that outmoded and hackney-eyed idea along with all its baggage. Yet as much as he is the thawed-out Neanderthal that Zabka describes him to be, Johnny often presents an attractive counter-philosophy to Miyagi-Do that isn't all bad. The Johnny Journey through all three seasons does a great job of showing there are no easy answers or simple endings to any story. Johnny speaks for the crustier generation X's out there, but he also speaks for change in a way that might be even more balanced than the self-professed master of balance, Daniel LaRusso. My daughter and I also give an honourable mention to Hawk. This character has an excellent story arc, often compared to the old Cobra Kai student Dutch, although I see more of Tommy in him, as he's clearly quite redeemable. It's a great example of bully to bully, and then redemption that never feels abrupt or rushed. We get the cycle of abuse and the darker side of gaining confidence. Hawk doesn't make sudden face or heel turns. Instead, we get real insight into his inner demons and problems. My only gripe would be that the menace in his character, they do so well to build in Season 2, is somewhat diminished by the fact that he is defeated three times in critical fight scenes. My daughter is resolute in placing the Season 2 finale of Cobra Kai No Mercy as her favourite episode of all time. Who can blame her? Book-ending the climactic school fight scene, we have Bananarama's original cruel summer reminding us of Daniel, when he was going back into the lion's den that was the same school, and the sad cover of the same track helping to evoke the fallout of the events. Shakespeare would have approved at the resulting tragedy that occurs in this episode as so many different plot points come to a head. We kick things off with the Johnny versus Daniel rematch that has been teased for 19 episodes, and this time the blame is squarely on LaRusso's shoulders, Consistent with the hothead characteristic he displayed as a teenager in the first and third Karate Kid movies, as well as different times in the Cobra Kai series, he plays the role of the aggressor, whilst Johnny is the calm rationalist. Sam's actions at the party in the previous episode come to bite everyone. Then we have the continuing problem with Johnny being split between his son and his student, both of which are love rivals for Sam. Add in a slighted Tory and the culmination of the Cobra Kai Miyagi-Do feud that is a direct result of Daniel and Johnny not being able to bury their past and you have the setting for a crazy high school war. Miguel and Robbie's tragic fates at the end of that appear to throw both Daniel's Miyagi-Do and Johnny's new more merciful philosophies back in their faces combined with Kreese's victory and the final shot of Ali's return being teased are a great way to leave audiences wanting more. My favourite episode probably changes upon each time I re-watch the show. Season 1 probably had the best episodes on average... ...in the way the story and formula was established for Cobra Kai. However, Season 2 had that wonderful reunion episode... ...that juxtaposed Kreese's Cobra Kai takeover bid... ...with Johnny meeting up with the old Cobra Kais. Having said that, I'm currently going to give it to... ...The Karate Kid Part 2 tribute that is Episode 5, Miyagi-Do. This is the perfect mid-season episode and there's a wonderful mix of ups and downs for all the respective characters, all in scenes that move the plot along in ways that are both satisfying and will have further repercussions. Sam's PTSD comes to a head. Hawk makes his Darth Vader decision against his former best binary buddy, Dimitri, whilst also showing us the most subtle sign of regret. Kreese features in two particularly important scenes. First, he begins getting his fangs into Robbie, resulting in a great Hong Kong cinema-inspired fight scene. Secondly, Amanda LaRusso decides that enough is enough and it's time for the real adults to step in and tell Chris exactly what she thinks about what he likes. However, funnily enough for me, I find the most engaging scenes to be those that took place with Daniel in this particular episode. His reunion with Kumiko and reconciliation with Chosen Taguchi were far better than what any fan theory had to offer. Chosen came over as a two-dimensional villain in the original movie. However, his path to redemption was plausibly written and his reconciliation with Daniel was perfectly executed through their training together. The training sequence alone was a fun nod to 80s style training montages and there was something of blood sport in there. We also get a little bit of kabudo that would be revisited with Sam, care of the bow, and the iconic scene that we first saw in the teaser trailer where a sigh gets impaled into the mat. It was all very enjoyable and very indulgent. At the end we have this wonderful reconciliation scene between Chosen and Daniel where Daniel reflects upon his feud with Johnny and it's a foreshadowing for what will happen at the end of the season finale. There was even the added convenience and contrivance of bringing in the tiny character of Yuna played by the same actress from the Karate Kid Part 2 to save the day essentially repaying the kindness Daniel had shown her in the original movie when he saved her life. I guess the reason why I currently rate this episode the highest was the same reason why I enjoyed the Cobra Kai Reunion episode so much in Season 2 and the re-inclusion of ex-Cobra Kai Bobby in Season 3. It's well executed and nostalgia. On reflection Karate Kid Part 2 was inferior to its predecessor but when I first saw it as a kid I loved it more and this episode, Miyagi-Do, reminded me why. It was a true love letter to the second movie. However, like the reunion episode, having one of the series' main protagonists go off on a solo nostalgic adventure does not compromise the rest of the plot threads. Given its short running time, I think this is a great writing accomplishment.
0: Wow. (laughs) Like I said, like I said, you know, these are pretty in depth recordings. And you can see what I mean now about uh finding it difficult to trim it to to figure out which parts to take out which parts to leave in there was just so so much to go on there um i think what jamie actually did was you you did a a, a, it's like a 12 minute version of the entire last podcast that i just did it's just all compressed down into 12 minutes wow so much to go on there i mean some really some really awesome points there and i think um what stands out there is the uh, the way. And I, we I touched on this a little bit with um, with the last podcast. Is the way that the different generations look at this as a show. You know, they, they get very different things out of it, and um, I, I guess that's one of the one of the really unique things about a show like Cobra Kai. I mean, there aren't really many other TV shows out there that work in the same way, you know, that are connected to pop culture, you know, extremely established, super popular movies from the 80s that many of us watched as kids that ties into a brand new series that is really popular with kids. You know, it's, it's a really unique setup. You know, you don't really come across this sort of thing so much, so... Yeah, it's been fun to to sort of um, get the reactions um, from, from Bo Camp, so to speak. But yeah, anyway, thanks for the submission, Jamie. As epic as always. Um, I, I think you mentioned you're going to be actually using that on your podcast, so you know people can go check that out as well if you want to listen to it again. Um, maybe there's some additional bits. I don't know how it's going to work, but um, if you look up Jamie Club's podcast... I'm sure you'll be able to hear that recording and uh, and much much more too. Okay, so uh, next we're going to go to uh, Gus. Now, uh, Gus, uh, just as a, a bit of a, a side topic here, has been doing some most amazing things with his time during lockdown. Um, he's been setting himself challenges to complete different tricks and different uh, that's martial arts based tricks and different techniques uh, over lockdown and, and filming the journey. Um, and it's been absolutely amazing to watch on social media. Um, so, if you, get, if you go along to, so it's Gus Rogers, if you go along to his Facebook page um, and, and check them out, they're absolutely awesome uh, to see him putting in this level of effort and pushing himself to achieve all these new techniques. I was giving him a, a hand with his uh, kip up. For those who don't know what that is, it's a technique where you're sort of on your back on the floor and you roll back onto your hands and shoulders and sort of flick to your toes, to your feet, and stand up. Um, and it was something that he'd been wanting to do for a very long time. And I was watching him doing it. I thought, do you know what? This guy can definitely do this. Just with a few little tweaks, uh, slightly different approach. He's, he'll have it. So I sent him some videos over along with some other people. I think Nathan, who's always uh, also been on the show um, in the past, um, he sent him some videos and stuff too. So, yeah. Um, anyway, enough on that. Let's get to Gus's recording and I'll catch you on the other side.
3: Hi Chris, uh, this is Gus here, uh, talking about Cobra Kai. Uh, Off the bat, a huge fan of the original Karate Kid movie. Uh, It's the thing that got me into my love of martial arts and wanted to learn. Uh, Not so much a fan of the other films, uh, but I just wanted to say that off the bat, I was one of the people who was very skeptical of the Cobra Kai show because I thought that it was going to be black and white in terms of a Johnny, suddenly a good guy, and uh, Daniel, uh, suddenly a bad guy. And one of the things I'm most impressed with the show, as well as being a throwback to sort of um, 80s and a, a simpler kind of uh, show, I really appreciate how they've uh, talked about the, the grays of no, no one is truly uh, good or bad. And in terms of martial arts, uh, the line of how you should teach a student uh, is difficult and as an instructor I really identify with that, you know, how hard should you be on them and you know how much you should be friends with them and everything else. So to your three questions, um, my favorite uh, moment or fight, uh, it's a tough one because there's many good moments, but one of the bits where I was just like this show who's really uh, stepped up it was the last episode of uh, season two when... Uh, the, the fight book out in the school and suddenly it pans back and you've got loads of fights going on and all these uh, the, the students themselves who maybe haven't got the show a bit because of screen time suddenly get the show that they've they've done martial arts and I thought it was very well co- choreographed and done. Um, uh, one of my favourite moments I, I guess would be um, you know, bits where uh, Johnny and... Uh, Daniel actually start to get along. Um, I love those moments because it it just shows that the different circumstances, um, you could be friends with anyone. Um, and I always like that that you know that people, you know, even if, if they, they they had quarrels, then get on, get on with each other. So not no specific moments, but any moment where the two of them kind of forget that they are rivals and sort of have a moment together. I really like those moments in the show. My favourite character. And I just want to say off, off the bat that I love how they've developed all the characters. And one of the characters I'm most impressed with that they gave another layer to uh, is John Creese because, uh, again, in the first, a um, you know, little bit in the second and third movie, he's made up to be a total bad guy. And, again, he, he, he represents the, the worst of martial arts. But what the show has done so well is they've given him an arc where this is why he is why he is. And it kind of makes sense. And I even know instructors like him and I guess they come from that that place where uh, you know you had to be tough to, to to get it done so I really like what they've done with uh, John Crease, and obviously the inclusion of tanks slow I'm always gonna love that and I love how good he looks for a guy in his 70s uh, and the fact that they've been able to give this uh, this actor another chance and I also love young Crease as well I could watch a whole uh, series on young Crease and his adventures um, uh, you know, like how he opened up Cobra Kai in the early days, and maybe when he competed and stuff, I'd totally watch that show, that'd be great and then my favourite episode has to be All In um, again, really hard choice because so many good episodes, but All In was the one that um, stood out to me, um, if you don't know that episode, uh, let me just look it up, it's episode 5 of season 2 and that has the big, huge mall fight uh, which was one of the first times they they went a bit bigger with the action. And uh, one of the reasons why I love it is because it shows uh, Robbie and um, I can't remember her name now, but uh, Danny Luso's daughter uh, training this form. It looks a little bit like our Korean form, Pyong uh, Sadan and they're practicing on the, the circular thing, and they keep falling off and they've got a real frustration with the form and they don't quite they, do, they, they don't want to do it basically, they're doing this form over and again and Dan keeps saying it has to be perfect and they're like we don't want to do it and they can't see the advantage of why this training will be good and then obviously in the more fight they do you know very cheesily the, the moves that they did in the form to do it and this is one of the, the, again going to be an instructor, this is one of the things you are trying to say to students, you need this over and over again, it needs need to be perfect, it can't be sloppy, it must be perfect and Many times, our students never really get the test. Why are you telling them it has to be perfect? Uh, but this shows that you know, even the stuff that you think is stupid in training, you know, this is why you have to trust your instructor so much um, because they are teaching you this thing so that you react um, naturally without thinking in the right situation. And I just really like that. Also, side point is in our uh, martial art, we do a lot of team forms, and sometimes I think they're silly, um, and, and this kind of went through the thing in team forms i always telling my students when we we'll compete the competition but uh, you have to you have to almost feel what the other person uh, to, your, to your left or your right of you is doing without looking at them and um, they do that in the show so again there's lots of as an instructor there's lots of like, nice nods I um, hope those answers were great uh, I, I love the shows um, I've uh, watched all three seasons um, but I, I kind of want to watch them all in a row so thanks for inviting me on this Hope my answers
0: were good, uh, happy to do any retakes if you need me to, cheers cheers for that Gus um, so one of the things I picked up at the start there was your concern for how they were going to, uh, the producers and writers that is, treat uh, your beloved memory, our beloved memory, uh, that it was the Karate Kid in this new guys in Cobra Kai, and I remember being sceptical of it, I mean how many times have we felt shortchanged by reboots and uh, I know there was a lot of not controversy, but a lot of people weren't overly happy with the um, Jaden Smith Jackie Chan Karate Kid reboot. I mean, I, I, for me, as a film, I didn't have many issues with it. I, I felt as a, as a, as a, as far as storytelling and filmmaking goes, it was actually pretty good. I think the fact is that it was called the Karate Kid. Um, if it had have been called anything else, people have been a bit like, "Hey, this is like the Karate Kid," but would probably have been a little bit more forgiving of that. You know, I think the fact that it was Karate, uh, sorry, it was called the Karate Kid, and it was set in China, and they were doing kung fu. A lot of people couldn't look by that, um, which I kind of get. But at the same time, you know, the make it they were making a reboot of the Karate Kid, and they so they had to kind of go with that name. Um, it would have been really difficult to do otherwise, unless they would have called it something completely different, but then everybody would have said, it's a Karate Kid ripoff, So they couldn't really win in that respect. But as I say, as a, as, as far as films go, it wasn't a bad film. Anyway, I'm going off on a slightly wonky tangent there. Anyway, but I think that being said, because of the fact that that film had happened, and that we'd seen reboots of other um, series and films and things happen where, you know, they just kind of fall on their ass a little bit, you know, your, your Night Riders and stuff like that. I think that, quite rightly, fans were worried that, you know, this was going to end up turning into a little bit of a joke and um, not something that they'd be particularly happy with. And I think, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, it didn't work out that way. And, and whilst, yeah, you know, there's there, there's humour in there. There's There's got to be. There's got to be just... Just for the sheer fact that you know that Johnny's in his head still living in the 1980s, and some of the things he does is, is just utterly ridiculous. But you know, uh, on a on a larger scale, it it is it it's a great series. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but there's enough depth in there that you know, true fans of of the Karate Kid um, story, shall we say can really get into it there's so many cool little easter eggs and 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 little nods and all sorts that you can you can see some of which you may not have even seen you can go on the internet and to youtube and find all these clips um and be blown away by the level of detail that they've gone into with it in some cases so you know um i i hear Gus, I hear what you're saying on that i was i was concerned too that they were going to mess about with this sacred childhood memory of mine um And as it would happen, it it turns out that they did just fine. So uh, we can all be happy in that respect. Okay, so the final recording that we're going to go to on this extra episode is from my long-time friend in the industry, Um, somebody who I have now come to realise is incredibly knowledgeable on all things Karate and Cobra Kai. It's Paul.
1: Hi, I'm Paul Coldry. I've been studying the Kung Fu for... Over 20 years now, and I'm here to talk about my experiences of Kobokai and my thoughts about Karate Kid in general. I suppose I think it's important to put it in context that the Karate Kid was released in I think '84, so I was 13 at the time of the release. So, strictly, um, I wasn't old enough to go to cinemas to see however, I did because I was convalescing from uh, a severe uh, operation that I had to have uh, at school. Um, for for my muscular dystrophy, and as such, I was off school for a long period of time in the 80s, Um, you know, recovering and having physio from a number of operations based on my muscular dystrophy. So I remember my mum actually taking me to Deadly Cinemas at the age of 13 to see The Karate Kid. I think it was in, um, just when everybody had gone back to school, say September, because I remember it being virtually empty, um, and it being on the second screen, so it had obviously been out a while. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is awesome, absolutely awesome. And I'd already started um, oh, about two years before doing some Shuttakan um, karate at a local school club. Um, so yeah, obviously, something called The Karate Kid was amazing. It was exactly what I wanted to see. Um, I was very lucky, in fact, that my dad was always into martial art movies. So whilst The Karate Kid didn't have the greatest fight scenes, you've got to remember at this time, I had a video machine at home and I was watching things like Enter the Dragon and Bruce Lee movies that my dad was getting for me. Um, it still had a very good story to it. It had an underlying story that actually really appealed to me because it was very similar to my favourite movies, and that was Star Wars. It was a tale of morality. It was good versus evil. Innocence versus um, negligence, if you like, and... Um, aggression versus pacifism and i think that's the whole basis that cobra kai continued as a series obviously it's nostalgic we all can watch it and if you saw Karate kid when you were a kid it reminds you of being 13 again and all of a sudden you're back wearing your you, you know you added as trainers you're back on your bmx bike you're gonna go and see bmx bandits at uh, at the cinemas and you know you may be sneaking in to see one of the Paul Van Hoven and sci-fi movies. If you you, know, you had a cinema that I didn't by me that would let you into virtually anything. Um, but as far as Kodak was concerned, I approached it um, with a bit of reticence. Really, I didn't really know if they were going to capture what was already there. What the lore of Karate Kid was. I felt yeah, you like know, the next Karate Kid totally destroyed Karate Kid at the cinemas for me, um, introducing the Buddhist monks and that that weird temple in California, really threw it. Karate Kid um, with Jackie Chan, considering it was all come through based in China, um, it was a bit weird introducing a Wing Chun wooden dummy halfway through that film, it's extremely strange. So I think I'd grown to become more pessimistic of the whole Karate Kid story, and I think I'd fallen out of love with the good versus evil uh, naivety of it all. I think that's exactly what Cobra Kai did. It took us back to that naivety where we could sit back, be nostalgic and just enjoy a good versus evil story, but flipping it on its head from the separate perspective of who really learned the hard lessons and who really took the most away from the events of the Karate Kid. Um, And my favourite character in the show is actually somebody you never actually see in the show, and that's Mr. Miyagi. I think his influence is basically in the pure DNA of that show. If you think about it, from the the slogan of LaRusso Autos kicking the competition, um, to the fact that every customer got a bonsai tree, that to me was absolutely magical. It was a proper throwback moment, making sure that the DNA of Miyagi-Dole Making sure that that good lesson, those good teaching experiences, were passed on from the generations. Even when Daniel was teaching Robbie about the bonsai tree, it felt like a shot-by-shot analysis. And that brings me to probably, I think, the greatest thing that Kobukai does. And that is its soundtrack. And it's something a lot of people miss. They kind of love the fighting i don't think the fight scenes are the greatest fight scenes ever you know a lot of better fight scenes in movies and, and you know, even in tv nowadays when you look at some of the netflix series but what it does do and it captures perfectly is the soundtrack to our previous lives and it's those emotional beats of music that capture us and send us straight back to being 13 and that's why when you press stop having watched an episode, oh, you just feel like you're back there, you're back and you're invigorated. You want to go and train like you did when you were 13. You're no longer cynical thinking the martial arts has changed so much. It's become commercialized. It's become, you know, online training that we're all stuck with now with COVID. That's gone out of your head. You're back to you, your original teacher and your training methods because you've gone back to when you were 13. A good example of this is a couple of songs that they use throughout this series, which I think are amazing. So, they use Cruel Summer by Rama Again, top 80s track, one of my favourite songs from the original movie. But using it in Cobra Kai immediately trips you back to that emotional beat, beat in Karate Kid, when Daniel is the first new kid at school. They use it when Robbie's in a situation where he's the new kid, where he's the one feeling the odd one out. So it brings you back to the emotional beat. So it's retelling the story without having to explicitly retell the story because it's basing it on your memory and your memory of sound and sights. They're, they're so interlinked that the understanding is just there. Um, obviously, going back to Okinawa, using the glory of love. All these were
3: fantastic
1: steps of reminding you and nostalgic beats, using the same actors as Chosen, and, and that whole dynamic. Bear in mind that Karate Kid 2 never actually went to Okinawa. They filmed it in Hawaii. So Cobra Kai was the only time a Karate Kid story has been filmed in Okinawa. And I think that was really important for the producers, because again, it brought back the Miyagi underlying statements so i love the glory of love obviously fill the night at golf and stuff well, you can't beat that that is pure nostalgia that is absolutely bmx bandits et the goonies it's the best cinematic time of our lives You can't look at the year 2020 and or even 2015 and point out movies that had the impact like they did in the 80s. We've moved on to cinema has become cynical. This is bringing us back to a real emotional tie to good versus evil. And yes, it's spinning it, but it's still pushing that message through us. And obviously my favourite music in, in the whole of Craft Kid is, there's a track called Training Hard. I used to think it was just called the Karate Kid theme. And for years I searched for it for the Karate Kid theme. And if you heard it, you know it's Karate Kid. It's the track that was played in the movie when Daniel's on the boat on his own. When he's trying to do the crane kick on his own. But it's played throughout the Cobra Kai series. And it kind of tells you about that martial art. About martial arts is good versus evil. It's about you creating something out of yourself. It's you determining your your destiny. And it's it reaches the most inner parts of all martial artists. We are what we seek to become. We will by pure will forge ourselves into something that we want to become. For me, for my martial arts, it's just me forging myself to be able to walk when doctors have told me it's impossible for me to be able to do wing chun with other people when doctors have told me it's impossible for but for Daniel, it was for him to beat the bullies. But isn't that what we all do? We're all beating our individual bully. And I think the whole of Cobra Kai, the meanings of Cobra Kai, the meanings of having a strong root. Remember Carter Kid 3? This bonsai tree will survive because it's got a strong root. That is referenced in Cobra Kai. There's so many throwbacks, even with Crease facing the Cobra Pit at the end of Season 3 as a throwback to remind you that although he started on the wrong path, he started with the right intention. He was just incorrectly pointed by his teacher. And and it reminds me of a quote from Yoda. And Yoda in, although I don't like the movie, The Last Jedi says that um, they will grow beyond what we are. That is the true issue with being a master. And I think that's the whole story of Cobra Kai it's our next generation our students becoming better than us and learning from our mistakes daniel learned from the mistakes of miyagi miyagi leaving his home country leaving the love of his life daniel learned from that and he tries hard to make his his life and his marriage work daniel's students are now trying to learn from the mistakes of their masters their senseis and at the end of season three we see that crystallize with johnny and Daniel moving beyond what they were to work together for the common good, good versus evil. Very simple story, very poignant.
0: Wow, uh, thank you, Paul. I mean, how awesome was that? Uh, so in depth, so much detail, so much thought, you know, and that's something that's been a standout of not just these recordings for this um, extra episode but of of all of the episodes is you know how how much you know Cobra Cry, Karate Kid as a whole features in people's lives you know Paul was talking there a little bit how he remembers as a kid going to see it at the cinema and, and the way that that's impacted him growing up you know I, I I mentioned this on the previous episode you know I myself can trace back my initial spark for my love of martial arts and you know, my future career in its different guises. Back to watching the karate kid. Back to those life lessons between Danny Larusso and Mr. Miyagi and, you know, the 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 flip side of that, John Creese and Cobra Kai, you know? And I think that's why people hold this series so deeply, because it reminds them of their youth. It reminds them of uh, of of times past and the way that it's influenced them positively. So, you know, big thanks to, actually on that note, um, I just wanted to say, I hope you understand why I, you know, um, had to do this extra episode and having listened to those very in-depth submissions, I hope you can understand why I I didn't want to chop them down and edit them and miss things out. You know, the time and effort these guys have put into those recordings, it didn't seem right to not give them their own show, so to speak. So, there we go, that's what I've done. Okay, so on the next episode of Get Back with Chris, the Martial Arts podcast, we're going to be speaking to a return guest, um, Dan Barfoot, who came on the show, oh gosh, about a year or so back, to talk about uh, mental health of instructors and within the Martial Arts and stuff. Um, he's coming back on again. I invited him back on, having had him on the show um, on my sorry on my uh, uk um lockdown support group for for martial arts instructors uh, he came in that group to talk about um kids and the, the different things that they're going through at the minute with lockdown and going back to school and and all the different challenges and i thought it would be really good to get him on the podcast to talk about some of those areas and indeed some of the developments that we've had recently with schools going back uh, so next episode i'm going to be focusing on uh, mental health of, of children and um, the things that we can do as instructors to help them reintegrate back into a class environment. Um, some of the things to look out for, you know, um, behavioural changes and, and procedures that we can put in place and, you know, changes that we can make to ourselves as instructors to make that as easy as possible. Now, also, you will have probably seen within the group and, indeed, just in my normal Facebook posts um, that on March the 21st, I'm going to be running my first ever and possibly only ever um, online Zoom course. I'm going to be covering um, all things kicking, okay, specifically focused on balance, on control, stability. You know, if you are, let's say, more experienced, sort of 35, 40 plus, you know, this is, you know, one for you. If you enjoy your kicking and you've maybe found this lockdown to be particularly harsh on your kicking and you might be a little bit, um, I don't know, worried or anxious about the thought of getting back to class and having to kick. And you've got, you, know, you found that you're struggling with certain things that you weren't before. Because you know, I've had that to a certain degree, and I've been developing different strategies, different uh, training methods, and, and drills to help with that. You know, having not really kicked a, a whole lot of stuff this last year, um, there are holes in our ability so to speak so uh, this course i'm running is it's only a tenner so 9.99 come and get joined in there are a handful of spaces left i'm limiting it because those of you who have used zoom before will know you know if you start filling out zoom too much it really does impact on your ability to give good feedback so i've limited it to 20 spaces on that point of feedback one of the things that i am looking to do is um, give feedback. So, you know, if you've got any particular kicks that you're struggling with, or, you know, maybe it's a long-time problem, maybe it's an issue that's just come recently, you know, through age or injury or other circumstances like a lockdown, um, and I'm happy to cast my eye give you some feedback, um, offer any help where I can. So, yeah, nine uh, We'll be going for between sort of 90 minutes to two hours thereabouts, depending on how people cope with the drills, because some of them, you know, well, you know, we all know that hard martial arts training has to hurt a little bit. So, you know, some of the drills might be a bit intense. So we'll just play it by ear, so to speak. But that's the, it's the luxury of the online stuff is that we can go for longer or we can cut things short if we need to. So, yeah, uh, if you want to join in, I will post the details in the show notes. But that being said, most of you are probably on the Kickback with Chris Facebook group. If you're not, if you search for the, the Facebook group, it's actually um, set as a, as a sort of private lockdown group. So if you search for it, I can add you into there. If you if you asked to join, I'll add you in, and um, we keep that there just to avoid people from flooding it with unwanted content. Uh, but you know, everybody's welcome to come along. Well, most people are anyway. But anyway, <laughs> if you're listening to this, then that probably doesn't include you. But um, come in, come and ask to join. We'll let you in, uh, and you can be part of all the chat and the conversation that goes on in there. Or as I say, all the links to the. Um, the seminar on the 21st are in there. All right, guys. Oh, also, on a on a, a personal note, anybody out there that's involved in developing campaigns, don't worry, I'm, I'm not turning to MP or anything like that, <laughs> but I am looking to get a, a, a martial arts-based campaign going. So anybody out there that's maybe got some experience in any of that, if you could give me a hand, it is for a good cause. Okay, so... It's not a a business thing or anything. It is purely for a good cause. So, if anybody has an experience with campaigns or developing stuff, especially through social media, drop me a message. I'll let you in. And everybody else, I will be explaining more very, very soon. But I've just got to get everything rolling. So, bear with me for a few. All right. Anyway, guys, I'll leave it there. As always, thank you for your support. Please do share the links when you come across them on Facebook. That really does help a massive amount. And I'll catch you on the next episode.
2: Brought to you by www.mitmaster.com.